second scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 11, verses 30 through 44. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who'd been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. And Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, let's pray together one more time. Merciful God, I thank you for the gift of scripture that you've given us, this opportunity to know you through the works of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would let these not just be words that we hear and read this morning, but that they would live within us and change our lives. Let your spirit use them to bring transformation so that we might come to better know you and better serve you. Lord, for myself, I pray that if my words are, uh, do anything other than glorify you, that you will stop them before any can hear, because other than glorifying you, God, they have no purpose and no worth. Lord, bless us this morning together. In Christ's holy name, amen. So, if you grew up in youth group, then you know that there are a few things you can count on without question. Even if you didn't grow up, but you've spent any time with a youth group, then you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. First, you can count on overly competitive games, things that people get really worked up about. Even though these are just friends, you want to beat your friends. You can count on the fact that if all else fails when the pastor is asking you hard questions, you can count on the fact that Jesus is always, in some degree, a right answer. And then when it comes to memorizing Bible verses, if you ever did any kind of competitions, what you quickly learn is that everybody knows at least one. 
And that was one that we read this morning. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. But as we get older, it, we might realize that it's, it's pretty strange to think about. We have this short verse, which we kind of hold up as a novelty, but in truth, what's being said there is a powerful and amazing thing. But it's also a confusing thing. Because it's weird to think about the creator of the universe, the one that we know as Lord and Savior, weeping because his friend died. As people currently experiencing a very public sort of crisis, we have to ask, what does God's presence look like in hard times, in uncertain times, in times when it seems like things are falling apart? And this, in particular, has a lot to say about that. You know, for the past several weeks, we've been talking about how experiencing Jesus Christ changes lives because it's fair to say that the Christian experience is that life with Christ should not look the same as life without. So far, though, we've been mostly looking at how we respond when we first meet Jesus, when we first have our eyes opened to our need for grace and salvation. We've been looking at repentance and turning away from our old lives so that we can move into something new, something better. But this week is a little different, because this week the focus is on what Jesus can do for grief and turmoil and stress and sadness. Scripture puts us in the all-too-familiar scene, at least for most of us, as Jesus goes to the fr uh, family of his friend, Lazarus, who's died. Everyone has gathered in the home of Lazarus's sister, Mary. You can almost imagine the hugs, the embraces, the I'm-so-sorries, the groups sitting together because they don't know what else to do. It's a sad occasion. It's the sort of thing where, in the present, you could expect solemn neighbors to come by regularly with offerings of food and condolences just to help her through the day. And so Mary, in the midst of this crowd, suddenly stands up and rushes out. And everybody follows because what else are you supposed to do? They follow to comfort her. But what they find is that she goes straight to Jesus. And the first thing she does is to confront him. She comes to Jesus with the same question that many of us have gone to God with before. Which is this question of God, why did this happen? Where were you when we needed you here? Mary says, if you had been here, my brother would still be alive. If you've ever wondered how Jesus would respond to such a question, these questions that are all too familiar to many of us, just keep reading. Because what Jesus does, how Jesus responds, is that he sees Mary weeping and the crowd weeping, and he's deeply moved in spirit. He's troubled. 
His first response isn't to chastise anyone for a lack of faith. It's not to teach. It's not even to perform a miracle right away. Instead, he asks them to take him to the tomb, to take him to the source of all the pain. Because as Jesus did for these mourners, we can know that God stands with us in times of hardship. Before anything else, we can take confidence and comfort in the fact that God is present even in the midst of our worst times. See, God's not just the creator of the universe. And he isn't just the judge of the world, although he is both of those things. He's also compassionate and present, even when we're struggling. Perhaps especially when we're struggling. And so scripture continues on. Uh, Starting back up in verse 35, it says that Jesus wept. When they got to the tomb, that was what he did. In the midst of all of these grieving, mourning, weeping people, sitting together with a grieving sister, Jesus grieves too. And he weeps alongside them. Jesus wept. And we can know that in the same way that he grieved with Mary, God grieves with us as well. But then Jesus turns around and says, take away this stone, uncover this tomb. And Martha, Lazarus' other sister, comes back with a wonderfully human Response. I love these moments where the humanity of the figures in the, in the scriptures really shines through because she asks such a simple question. She says, well, hold on, Jesus. He's been in there for four days now. It's going to smell pretty bad when we open that tomb. And what she's saying is we don't want to be confronted with the harsh realities of the fact that he's gone, but not only is he gone, he's also decomposing in this hole we don't want to deal with it jesus and we trust that decomposition more than we trust you and yet you'll notice that all throughout this the people continue to call him lord and so when jesus says again did i not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of god they say okay whatever you say jesus and they roll away the stone And Jesus responds, and he says this. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Hear that again. Jesus says, I knew that you always hear me. So not only did Jesus weep, but we also know that Jesus knew how this was going to turn out. He knew that he would overcome death. And he knew that he was going to show that right here in a small way to prepare people for the amazing overcoming, the amazing victory that he would demonstrate over death and sin and all powers of evil in the world at his own resurrection. He knew what was coming. And yet, still, he wept. 
Friends, Jesus grieves with us even though he will overcome. The final victory doesn't make the immediate pain stop. It doesn't make the immediate stress stop. But the immediate pain doesn't make the final victory any less final. Both things can be and are true at once in every moment. For us, when we encounter loss, when we're comforting somebody, which we do so often, we can, we can know that saying, you'll see him again some way or someday isn't always the best thing to say. Not even Jesus said it. Instead, he just sat down and wept. It's hard to think of eternity when you can't even grasp today or when you don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. But we do know that Jesus is still Lord. And this isn't just true in situations of loss and death. This is true in every hardship that we encounter. Knowing that Christ has won the final victory doesn't undermine the pain and challenges that we're dealing with right now. But the challenges also don't make Christ any less Lord. Why is this important, though? Why did Jesus have to be born? Why did Jesus have to grow up to do all the things that we see in Scripture, to do the very human things like eating and taking naps? The question that comes up from this is so much bigger than just why did Jesus have to weep with the people? The question is, why did he have to deal with the entirety of life so that he could feel the pain of death. But friends, through our sin, we are separated from God. We see this from the very beginning of Scripture. We're separated from God and cannot, of our own power, make it back to Him. But through Christ's life, we're reunited, not only in a spiritual sense, but in a very literal way, because when God saw that we could never come and walk with him again, he instead came to walk with us. Through Christ's life, we can see that the challenges of birth, the vulnerability of childhood, the difficulty of teenage years, temptations, hunger, friendships, grief, loss, pain, even death, every part of life, as it was experienced by Christ fully proves that God is with us in the midst of it. Not only as Savior, but as comforter and friend. So why did Christ have to weep? It's the simple fact that he suffered with us so that we could live with him in good times and in bad in easy times and in hard, in happiness and in grief. Every moment so that we could know the truth that Christ is with us. Thanks be to God.